Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. This week, we begin with the first Sunday of Lent, and this Lenten season, we are talking about giving up things, not these tangible things that we often think of, but giving up other things that can help us to grow in our faith. This first week, we talk about giving up control, and we look at the story of Jesus in the wilderness. A reminder that all of our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube page, which is linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons can pop into your feed as soon as they are available. Lastly, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to any one I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That through your word for us this day, and as we journey through this time of Lent, that you would continue to open our hearts and minds to, to grow closer to you. In your sons, then we pray. Amen. In 2014, the Washington Post did a story that they pulled from a Christian Bible website that logged the most tweeted about things that folks gave up for Lent. Now, before we get any further, we can argue and quibble after our Time together on Wednesday of talking about humility and piety, about whether it is right or not to post what you're giving up for Lent on Twitter, uh, or any social media for that matter. Um, but beyond that, let's, we're going to move past that. Um, it at the very least helps us as we categorize and log what people are giving up, so that we can form nice little lists to see the most given up things. So From their most recent list that they published, where they published the list, now they do it in a different way for the past five years or so, from 2017. 
This is the top five. Alcohol, social networking, chocolate, Twitter. Don't know why that wasn't included in social networking. Maybe they just gave up Twitter and that was it. They continue to stay on Facebook and Instagram, apparently. And chip. Those were the top five. Now, some other notable ones that I thought that I would have a little bit of fun with. Coffee was number 11. And in my mind, any joy or connection to the world went with it. But the most interesting one that I found is in the top 30 were both Lent and religion. I actually did a Bible study called Atheism for Lent a couple of years ago. It was really interesting. However, as I looked at the list, they had the top 50. As I looked at the list and I began to ponder and contemplate what it meant to give something up for Lent, I began to think, I began to see my friends and acquaintances, see what they had given up for Lent, and I pondered on this historical practice of fasting as we approach the holy days of Easter, the celebrations of Holy Week. You know, John Wesley, the pioneer of our denomination, the United Methodist Church, he was a big advocate of fasting as part of what he called the ordinances of God. He believed it was a means of grace, that is, a practice, a Christian practice, a religious practice that we take part in as a manner of understanding and knowing God deeper. But you see, for Wesley, it was fasting in the right way. One did not just fast. One did not just fast to lose weight. One fasted to gain spiritual clarity. And so as I have conversations with people these days, I caution them of engaging in fasting practices and in doing so to really know and understand what is the goal of your fast. Often people will fast for their own selfish interest. There's no problem with that. There's no problem with going on a fast. People do intermittent fasting in order to lose weight. Um, I, for one, cannot imagine life without food, so I'm good. People will fast from sugar and candy. and um, I fast to eat more Girl Scout cookies. I mean, in my younger days, I was very guilty of this. I would often fast during Lent. I'd give up candy or soda, really, to help to lose what weight I didn't have to lose back in those days. Now i got plenty. Um, even one time, well, okay, all right, sorry, that was a lie. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, but a couple of times, I gave up vegetables. Um, I mean, you know, I, I gave them up so I wouldn't have to eat them. I had a reason not to eat them. Um, it, it worked for about a day before my mother put the peas in front of me. And, well, if you don't eat that, you don't get dessert. Right? We've all been there. Right? Sometimes we give things up for these selfish reasons. And, and that's not to say that, again, that's not to say that, you know, if we want to give up candy and sweets for our own understanding, that's that's not a problem. If we want to give up these things in our own ways, that's not a problem. But when we are doing a fast in terms of the spiritual sense, we often also need, or we also need to find ourselves wondering and pondering on the spiritual connection to this fast as well. So I'm not saying that we cannot nor should not give up these tangible things. What I'm saying is we also need to have an understanding of how we are growing closer in our walk with God in doing so. And so, as 
I began my pastoral ministry, I wanted to come at it, I wanted to come at this idea of Lent from a perspective of what can we give up? Or what does it mean to fast? And so for this season of Lent, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at some less tangible things that we can give up, but also that may lead to a new understanding of how we can give up those tangible things to grow, to enhance, to mature our relationship with God. As we go through this Lenten season, I hope we can redefine what it means to give things up, to fast. Right? No longer do we give it up just for personal reasons, but we recognize the spiritual reasons that we need in this time of fasting as well. Whether something in your life has created a wall or a barrier between you and God, whether you're seeking a temporary moment of spiritual clarity, or even if you're hoping to gain greater insight, fasting can be used in a number of ways spiritually. But we must do the work to define that nature as we move through the journey. And so we begin this Sunday with where we begin most Lenten journeys, liturgically at least, and that is with this story of Jesus going into the desert for 40 days. In fact, it's where we get this time frame of the 40 days of Lent. <clears throat> Looking at the temptation of Jesus in wilderness and beginning to understand this topic and theme of giving up in our fasting. And so today, in this nature of fasting, we are giving up control. This story teaches us a lot about what it looks like to examine our lives and even our spiritual journeys from those things which may be our own personal intentions against what God's intentions for us and for creation are. And I will often say this is at the heart of what is happening in our Lenten fasting journeys. When we give something up, we do it in a way that often places us in control of the situation. In the same respect we do for New Year's resolutions, often naming why these don't work as much as we'd like them to. And in doing so, we give up things like alcohol and social networking, sweet coffee. And in doing so, we often create a sin of the very thing itself and divorcing our fasting from any real sense of spiritual connection. Even going as far to say, that we create a sense of abstinence in fasting, even beyond Lent. Now, I know that when we talk about some of these subjects, there are people whose connection to these things is a spiritual connection. And we name that in those cases, when it's harming people, there is a sense in which fasting and abstinence can help. But establishing that it is when we give up control and allow God to bring, to come into our lives, to speak to us, that we may find the things that are causing pain and harm, not just for us personally, but even in our relationship with God and others, and find ways to change and transform our lives in that sense, to create a healthier spiritual and personal life. When we relinquish this control to God, and we see the ways in which something may hold control over us, then we can name the ways in which we can grow from those things. And so we see in this story that Jesus is led into the wilderness. Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Why? <clears throat> because the wilderness is a place of spiritual preparation 
It is a place for Jesus to get ready for the ministry that he is about to do. We often come into it thinking that that the wilderness is a place of evil. A wilderness is a place that bad things happen, right? We look at the story of the journey in Exodus. We look at the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. But we see that Jesus is led into the wilderness not to be tempted. But Jesus is led in the wilderness for a time of spiritual clarity to grow in himself as he prepares for ministry. Because guess what? Jesus is not just tempted in the wilderness, right? Jesus experiences temptation as he is out serving in his ministry. Jesus is tempted in all sorts of ways. And so the intentions of going into the wilderness are to bring him out there, the Spirit, for a place of spiritual transformation. When Jesus gets into the wilderness, when Jesus is fasting, When Jesus is seeking moments of spiritual clarity, Jesus encounters temptation. Temptation that could steer him off the path in which God has intended for him. Portrayed in the interpretation of a devil figure. Sometimes translated as accuser or slanderer. Now do I believe that there was a a physical being standing next to Jesus, maybe on his shoulder, whispering into his ear? No. But do I believe that there was a spirit of temptation present with Jesus in the wilderness? Yes. What form did it take? I don't have enough time to talk about that in this sermon. But what I can say is when we encounter the spirit in the wilderness, when we go out in the wilderness for these times of spiritual clarity, it is our mindset that is tested. And it is that temptation that creeps in that tells us we can use our gifts either for the glory of God or to abuse the kingdom. And that is exactly what happens here. Jesus is tempted by whose intentions will control his life. Are his intentions going to be controlled by who God has called and created him to be? Or will Jesus' intentions be driven by that of human nature? To use his gifts in ways that would not only be abusive to the gifts themselves, but would also be abusive to the very relationship that Jesus has with God. And so we see the three temptations of Jesus. The temptation of comfort, the temptation of power, and the temptation of safety. Right? He is told that if he wants to satisfy his hunger, all you need to do is turn these rocks into loaves of bread. That if he would just bow down to the temptation, he could be the most powerful being in the world. He could rule the lands and the kingdom. And you know what? If he truly wanted to prove himself as the Son of Man, that truly God would protect him, that he could throw himself off the cliff. And before ever striking a foot on the rock, the angels would save him. Comfort, power, and safety. They offer Jesus not just these three things, but they offer Jesus control as well. And so in this narrative, as we see Jesus wrestle with these temptations, we see Jesus surrendering control to God. Right? He knows his fast is limited. The fast is being used to gain this spiritual insight in the ministry he will be doing. Jesus knows that it is only temporary. He knows that eventually he will get bread. He does not need to die to go into temptation to make the bread he knows that ruling over the lands from a literal throne is not who he was meant to be jesus was meant to be a spiritual king a spiritual lord and he had already gained that throne 
And Jesus knew that testing God was not how God worked. He knew that even in being the Son of Man, you do not test God. Yes, he knew that the angels would save him. He knew it right there at the top of the cliff, and he knew it as he hung on the cross. And yet, Jesus trusts in God's divine intentions. Jesus trusts where he is being called, does not give in to the temptation. This Lent, let us give up control. Let's trust the ways in which God has called each and every one of us. Let's look towards the purpose, towards God's purpose for our lives. Right? Just like Jesus had these gifts, so too do we have gifts that God has offered to us. And yet, when we do not follow God's intentions for who we are called to be, we find ways to abuse and manipulate them for our own personal advantage. When we as Christians try to control everything, we, we take away from the ability for God to do work in our lives. Right? When we seek to know everything, we take away from God's actions in caring for us. Right? I mean, this is one of the sins of Adam and Eve. In eating the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, they gain control in the knowledge. And they answer the temptation of the serpent to become like God. Now, yes, we need this mythological narrative in order to understand and know that we ourselves have free will. But to know and understand that in that free will, we continue to turn towards God. That when things happen in our lives, We know and trust that God is there. When we are working, when we uncover our gifts, that we know God's purpose and intentions. What would it look like for us to relinquish control to God? In this Lenten time, what's the fast that we can take on? What is something that we can do? Is it about praying more? Is it about relying on God more? Is it about turning to God more in broken situations? Or is it about acknowledging and recognizing God's presence? Even in the smallest moment. Focus on ways in which we can give up control. Because we become so focused on giving up all of these tangible things that we forget that the point of Lenten fasting, just like Jesus went into the desert, make us better Christians. Yeah, sometimes that means making us a better human being. But if we don't go into it with those intentions, are we truly treating this holy and spiritual practice with the nature that it deserves? I'm not telling you you can't go out and pick out the foods you want to eat, where you're going to go on your next family vacation. But... To give up control is about allowing God to be more present throughout our whole life. And not just those times when we may feel tired or exhausted or when we come to church. Amen.